Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Major news. White Wine Question Time is going live. We're doing three shows in London's West End in the autumn. I can't believe it. And we've got some incredible guests lined up for you. So on Saturday, the 18th of September at the Leicester Square Theatre, uh, we will be doing a show with Craig Revel Hallwood. Yeah. Just as you can smell the sequence of Strictly as it comes back to our screen. Then on the 9th of October... I can't believe they've all agreed to do this, but we're reuniting the cast of Grange Hills. So I've got Todd Carty, Tucker, Lee McDonald, Zamo, and Alison Valentine, who played Faye, and there'll be more to be announced. And then finally, on Saturday, the 13th of November, the cast of Dunbreeding. So Tracy Ann Oberman, Julie Graham, Tamsin Athwaite, Denise Welsh, Julie Newman will all be joining us to do a live show. Tickets are on sale now, available from the Live Nation website, Ticketmaster, or wherever you get your tickets. Come and see us! Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And this week I'm joined by an award-winning Irish singer, songwriter and poet who, as a 16-year-old in Dublin on the pub circuit, was often banned, or barred rather, from her own gigs due to the fact that she was underage. Born as the youngest of five to a big family in a small house, seven of them living in effectively a two-up, two-down. Uh, she waxes lyrical about a childhood that one writer described as a cross between a Wes Anderson movie meets The Commitments. Performing with local bands and musicians, she clocked up many a mile on the road before having released her first album she caught the ear of Jules Holland, who asked her to appear on his career-making TV show later, which helped propel her second album, Love Tattoo, to number one on the Irish charts. Her third album, Mayhem, went six times platinum. Six! 
making her an international star and her latest offering sees her duet with Ronnie Wood and Noel Gallagher oh and Jeff Beck Lou Reed Van Morrison Bono and all the rest of you two have all performed live with her but as well as her work in music, she also spent two and a half years working as a carer in a nursing home for the elderly when she first moved to London, which she has since described as a privilege to be able to look after people in their most vulnerable state. Earlier this year, she released her brand new album. It's called 11 Past the Hour. I implore you to give it a whirl. She now lives in London with her nine-year-old daughter, Violet, from her marriage to her former husband and bandmate, Daryl Hyman, and they separated six years ago. Having listened to her body of work, I am genuinely excited to have her on the show today. So let's dial in Imelda May. God, that was a fabulous intro. God, I want to meet her myself. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Isn't it? It's, I sometimes think it's quite healthy therapy to get somebody to write an intro on you into a show because we just, you know, you just scoop up all the best bits, don't you? <laughs> but not just the best bits, the highs and I the lows. You to read that to me every morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start with Vidal Sassoon. Remember him? Awesome mm-hmm. hairdresser. He once very wisely and sagely pointed out that the only place where success comes before work is in the dictionary. And having read up on you, I know that that has certainly been the case for you. But do you think that, that success should always be preceded by a good hard slog? I think it helps. I think for me that works because then if you work really hard... You take chances. I think you have to take chances. As well. Then I think you you can own whether it's a failure or a success. All your hard work, you can admit your failures and own your successes. Whereas things fall into your lap, there's a sense that you don't deserve it. Where yeah. everything that I've done, you might name that lovely things there, and everything that I've done. Somebody's asked me before, you know, do you get blown away when you're working with certain people of course of course I get I I'm I'm blown away by their talent and their their work and but I it feels right it feels like I I have something to bring to the table like you belong there yeah and it feels like it, it just feels it's aligned you know it feels good whereas if it was just something that fell into my lap without the work I know what I'm doing to an extent. I mean, nobody knows what they're doing in life. You muddle through. <laughs> but I know I love to work. I love to write. I love to make music. Um, of course, there's loads of sides of this, the job that I have that I don't like so much, but you got to do them. Yeah. But then you feel comfortable with where it is. So it feels right rather than just if you happen to be there, there'd be a sense of you shouldn't be there maybe. Well, I always, I always used to feel slightly uh, worried um, for the contestants that on, on shows like that I used to host, like the X Factor or Pop Idol, where literally in the course of 12 weeks, you go from zero to hero and you've got none of the tools to manage the success that you're, that you're literally cupping in your hands. Whereas I think if you have had to put your back into it and do parts of the job that you don't enjoy, for example, it's a constant prep, preparation for what is coming. You start to manage yourself into success. And I think sometimes that's probably quite healthy. I think it is. I think it is healthy. And I do worry for, for people within those um, those shows and competitions because I've, as I've, pe- I've said before that I think they're wonderful TV and they're very entertaining. But as um, 
And uh, uh, actually, somebody I know uh, a little while ago asked me, should they go on one of those shows? And I said, it depends what you're wanting. If you want, mm. if you want to have some fun and see what happens and do that. But if you're wanting to um, have what 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 a lot of people think you'll get from that you know whether it's going to be this is it my life is made for the rest of my life that's not going to happen so Mm -mm. if that's what you want I think the work has to come into it you know if you because the work is continuous as you know you're doing it it's continuous it's not something that you just did once and then you did well (laughs) you know you have to love it you have to love it and want to continuously do it but you also need to sort of sometimes do the bits that you don't want to do because that's the stuff that teaches you about the broader sense of your business. You can't just go, I'm only, in the, certainly in your early days, I'm only going to do the bits that hold my attention, you know. Could you imagine that? Wouldn't that be lovely? Wouldn't it? <laughs> Have I got it right? Did you used to book your own tour buses, your tour parking and your accommodation and manage the budgets and pay the band and be the star of your own show? Yes. Yes. Jeez. So when I got when I got the Jules Holland, uh, I did a little. I was, I've been gigging for years. I've been gigging since I was sixteen. And then when I moved over to here, um, when I was twenty three, I was gigging all around in other people's bands and stuff. And then I always thought I'd feel good when I was able to be a professional singer. That was early on. And then I became, I could give up all my other jobs. I became a professional singer and I wasn't fulfilled in any way. And I realized it wasn't enough. I need, it needed to be my stuff, my songs. I needed to bring them to the table that I was writing secretly. And so when I started my own band, I, I had my own band when I was 18 in Dublin. I remember wow. banging on the door of a, it was a jazz cafe. And I said, do you, I, I hear you're a new jazz cafe. Do you have any jazz? And they said, no. We play jazz, but I said you can't. You can't be called a jazz cafe unless you don't. You have jazz, so I can do that. And I said, if you can give me a gig, I'll get some great musicians in. And I got a gig, and that was my first band. Yeah, I remember just thinking it wasn't right. It wasn't that I was determined to do it, and I just thought you can't have a jazz cafe without any music, without any jazz. So that was my first one. But when I came here, I had. Um, so I got the gig with Jules Holland and I asked him if it was okay. It was through a gig that I'd done and somebody had told him that I'd been there the night before and he'd, lo- he'd love me and that kind of stuff. And I got asked to do one show and then he sent me a whole tour. And then while I was there, I realised I need to do something with this. So I asked him if it was okay if I put flyers on the on the chairs and he said, sure. And I was so broke, God. And I went out. To the lo- I, I, I drew up a little poster and I went to the local photocopier and I got loads done. I cut them up with an empty bit on it. And I rang around every venue on the tour to see if... I, I rang around every smaller venue that was near the big theatre he was doing that I was opening for him on the tour. And I said, I'm opening for Jules Holland. Do you have a slot for me maybe next month in your little tiny pub? in a little club and they said yes so every venue I went to every venue I went to with Jules with theatre I would put a flyer on the seats myself I was going out I'd get my band to help me and say I'm in your area if you look under your seat I'm back if you like what I do I'm back here next month and I thought if I get 10% of his audience or 5% of his audience 
people come back and see me. And then that's what I did. And I got people coming back and I always booked gigs, the venue smaller than I thought I could fill. Because I thought if I pack them out, that's a good vibe and they'll come back. Yeah, that's all so smart. And so, what a hustler you are. There's strategy in there. Yeah, I love that. Yes, I really, really wanted to do it. I really wanted to do it so badly. And I just wanted to have gigs and play my own music and have people come. So I thought if I fill it and if and if it's too if it's sold out, it looks great sold out. And then people who didn't get the ticket might buy the ticket quicker next time. And then that worked as well. So I did that on the whole tour and Jules was really nice to let me put the flyers on a seat and, and invite them back and and it, it worked. But I was booking, I remember after my, I, I was working and singing in um, wine bars and stuff. I remember ringing an agent that I'd gotten and I said, give me every gig you have because every gig I did with Jules, it cost me like 500 quid, which I hadn't got because I paid my band all the time and I had, uh, I'd hire a van and I remember I only had 20 quid each left for accommodation. And I had to find somewhere for us to stay. We stayed in some mental places. <laughs> Give me the worst. Give me the worst. Where was the worst? It was a, it was a bed and breakfast called Mrs. Toads. <laughs> and she opened the door and the whole place was green. And there was toads on all the bedspreads. Toads. It was toads everywhere. Toads on the bins. Because of Toads on the Mirrors, it was Mrs. Toads. <laughs> that's, that's sort of awfully brilliant, isn't it? Wow. What, what, was, what was her thing for Toads? I don't know. I don't know. And she was very, she, it was, she had that amazing, those dark black eyes. And like, you know, when you, it looks like she dipped her finger in white paint, that really kind of 60s, a peroxide. And she was a tiny little woman. Little hunched over, hello, and in we went and stayed there and discovered that there was no cold water. So you'd get into the shower. I remember we all covered ourselves in soap, and then it, you'd you'd have to singe your skin off to get it off. Scalding. <laughs> we talked about horrid. <laughs> no, no, I bet you did. So I used to have to do the gigs to fund them, you know, and so I could pay everybody. So I was singing at every. I had a residency in. I, I I was doing Monday nights and I think I did a residency in, in the middle of nowhere in a Weatherspoons singing at like five o'clock till nine o'clock and things like that, you know, paid but you, bills. Yeah, it pays the bills. But I'm, it's very rare that you hear uh, of any artist who has to do all of that stuff. You know, the booking the buses, the booking the venues, you know, um, the accommodation, HR in the band effectively and but always I guess you're the last one that gets any kind of payment yes yes still so still we, the same the way. money yes still the same way everybody yeah, else has is. to be paid you have to look after your who you employ who you take care you have to look after everybody and then yourself at the end of it but yeah I remember saying to the to the guys it will get better it will get better. So if I make some more, if, if I get a better venue and I'll fill out more, which would you prefer for us? Would you like a pay rise or would you like an easier life, like a better B&B? And they were like, better B&B. <laughs> <laughs> no more toads. Yeah. <laughs> 
That sounds great, though, that Mrs. Toad's place. I'm going to Google it after this. Uh, I don't know if and, and there. It's, I've never Googled it, Mrs. Toad's. I think it was Bristol, I think it was. I'm sure. Um, if it's still there, we, we might be staycaying there this year, Imelda. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I find, find really good with me doing all that is I really appreciate when I have someone else to do it for me now. So my tour managers and drivers and management to book all those things. I cannot tell you how thankful I am that I don't have to do that. So it did give me a sense of what it is that needs to be done. But I bet you also know every single name of every single one of your team, your crew, and I can't imagine that you finish at all without acknowledging their contributions. Oh, of because course. you've done that work yourself. Of yeah. course. But a lot of artists don't. Oh no, God, you have to. I've, I I always end. Um, uh, I normally try and end the year or the tour because you do a tour every two or three years in Dublin. Um, because all my family come and it's mostly a guest list, and I fly a lot of the guys, their 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 girlfriends or wives or boyfriends or husbands in, um, so that we can all party together and have a Christmas party at the end. So we fly them in and have fun. Of course, they're they're you're only as good as you're you're the front of it, but it's 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 all cogs in the wheel. We all we all have to play a part in it, mm-hmm. you know, and their part is 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 important, really important. Yeah. You're only as good as every strong link in your chain. Yeah. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, moving on to my next question. You recently said that you like who you are. You already had me. I like who I am. That you allow yourself to be who you are, quirks and all. And you also allow yourself, and this is the bit where I really was like, yes, you allow yourself to be crap and uninterested in the things that don't interest you. How on earth did you get to a point in life where that was your state of mind, your mindset? Because I hanker for that. (laughs) Give me the manual. (laughs) I just, I got fed up trying to do, like, you can't be good at everything. And we do often try to be good at everything. And I don't think it's possible. 
So I'm going to stick at what it is that I'm good at and interests me, that I love and and kind of um, acknowledge me failures yeah. and and get someone else to pick it up on that. So, for instance, my lovely boyfriend came in. I said, I'm crap at this. Can you do this? And then something else, he's not good. He's not brilliant at cooking. or And I love to cook. So I'll say, right, if you do that for me, I'll make us a meal later. Yeah. And then that way, and I'll do that with friends as well, get in touch with friends and say, listen, I can't do this. It's just, it's wrecking my head. Can you do this for me? And then I'll do, and it's a almost a bartering trade system with them. <laughs> because everybody has strengths and weaknesses. And I think it's just wasting your, 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 your brain and your time trying to, trying to get on top of things that really don't, don't serve you well or you're I'm okay with not being great with a lot of things as long as I'm good at the things that mean more to me yeah and I do like who I am there's parts of me that I can't stand but that's that's the yin and the yang isn't it but you can't like everything about yourself I think if you like more than you dislike that's a win that the the balance is tipped in your favor yes but I've learned to accept um some of the things that I don't like. Do you know I've learned to accept them or you try and change or learn from them and think, okay, because I can be quite quirky and I get caught up in stuff and I used to cover over things like like that, you know, because I know I'm, I'm possibly to others around me perceived as a bit weird, a bit odd. And I used to kind of try and fit in a bit more and try and make myself less than. Diluted. Make me more for them. Yeah. And I got really fed up doing that. And I thought, why am I doing that? So, you know, if I want to, 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 you know, talk to a plant or, you know, sing with the wind, I'll do it because it makes me feel good and it's fine. And if that upsets somebody else, well, so be it. Let yourself be who you are. And yeah. it's okay if you're a bit odd because we, we're all a bit odd. We're all odd. And what is odd anyway? It's just not being the same. We, you know, yes, we're tribal, but we don't have to be tribal on every level. Uh, you're allowed to be you. We need differences. There's a reason we've all got unique DNA because we're all unique. Yes, but therefore, again, as I said, we all have differences, but we all have strengths. So if everybody's trying to do everything mm. well... Nothing will be done well. No. So if we all just lean on the stuff that we're good at and and acknowledge the stuff that we're not good at, it will balance because people around you are better at things that you're not so good at. And you can kind of do this, you know, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. And then everything's done pretty well and with joy. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you've got to find what makes your heart sing rather than your heart sink. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. That's it. Definitely for me anyway. You had some, um, you were surrounded by people from the get-go in life that sound like they worked from from that mantra or, or that set of life rules, your dad being one of them. Uh, your dad sounds like a real character. There were, you were a big family in a small house. Have I got that right? And he was an eccentric art lover is what's been reported. Does that seem like a cap that fits? Well, my dad was a dancer. Was he? was a dance teacher. Mm-hmm. He was a dance teacher, old-time dance teacher. Um, and um, uh, Arlene Phillips would love him. 
<laughs> yes. Um, he he uh, he had his his own. Um, he, he had a hall and his own school. And he'd, te- he'd teach people in it just locally, and um, he was really good. And what uh, kind of dancing in Imelda? Was it Irish dancing, ballroom, Latin old, America, all of it? Old time dancing, old time uh, ballroom. Yeah, but he likes the term old time dancing because okay. he said ballroom was a bit flashier for old times. So he danced beside Kim Novak in a movie and all this. He, they called him and he was, he was wow. He was very very graceful, and he met my mom and that was it. He felt he 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 got up to ask somebody to dance, and she said no, and he said he didn't want to go back across the floor. Um, you know, in, in shame. And then he turned and he saw my mother sitting beside and he said, well, would you like to dance? And she said, yeah, sure, why not? And she got up to dance and he said, from that moment, he said, I've never felt more comfortable with any other human being in my life. Aww. I felt it was the first time I could be me. And that was it. And he was only, I think, 25 and she was 31. And then they got married and... Uh, he couldn't make ends meet because he blames the 60s. Everybody was dancing on their own. And <laughs> he picked a job out of the paper and it, it was, he just kind of put his finger down and picked out and he became a painter and decorator. No. And he was all of a sudden in this kind of man's man's world. Having been a ballroom dancer. Wow. Yeah, it's quite an unusual story. And yeah. my mom. One of my earliest memories is my mom taking me to a protest in my in the pram. She gave me a placard in the pram. I was only about three or four. <laughs> and my mom would fight for rights and and be very headstrong. And she was a seamstress. So they were really good. And they, they had an equal marriage and an equal relationship within the home. So I was brought up thinking that was normal. Hmm. You know, they both respected each other. They'd kill each other over remote control. You know, <laughs> usual. Where did you put that? <laughs> Which one? There's eight of them. <laughs> exactly. But the the way you've spoken about, I mean, for example, some of your da- your dad's building works, right? Let's just I, these just tickled me so much. Uh, let's talk about how he turned your two bedroom house into a three bedroom house by not adding an extra room, but a perspex box around a staircase. Oh my God, you've really looked into this. Yes, you're such a pro. My dad, um, <laughs> yeah, we needed more room. Sounds like, sounds like the worst bedroom ever, by the way. Well, no, we need we needed another room, and it 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 wasn't um, it wasn't a perspex bedroom. No, it was a he knocked down the staircase. Because he thought that that would make a good box room, that like a tiny, that, that's another room. That So we thought, I'll do that. So we knocked down the stairs and where the staircase was, he turned that into a tiny little bedroom that you couldn't fit a bed in. You had to fold out. It was a fold out bed. But <laughs> it was a half of a bed that you fold out when the door was closed. <laughs> and then he built a staircase a spiral staircase in him and my mom's bedroom which also had me and my brother till I was 14 so yeah you shared a room with them didn't you till I was two? 14 yes <laughs> it's only a couple of years ago that I discovered that he wasn't tickling her 
<laughs> and then around the, the, the around this this spiral staircase, he built this pair specs box. But before we put the stairs in, we had bunk beds in the room, and he he just knocked the hole out of the floor. And our bunk bed was the leg of it was about that much from the edge of it, and he said, "Just don't move, don't bounce in the bed." You'll be grand. So we used to sleep like that for a while before it was like it was like the on, on the edge of this drop. But he set up mirrors because he thought it'd be really fun if we could watch telly from bed from the sitting room via a mirror, via a, a couple of mirrors. So we could watch it. It was underneath us in that way. And we, we were sitting in the bed watching the telly with these mirrors. And he was bonkers. So he built this pair of specs. I love him. Around the stairs. And he was, he had his own way. He had a, he made, I think he was making a pulley system for my mom for nappies, changing nappies. She'd do that. And, <laughs> and all the stuff would go back. He's, he has his own way, you know. He has his it's, own way. Did he not build a three-story bunk bed because there were so many of you? Is that the one that you were just talking about where your brother yes. would constantly sort of like literally be an inch from the ceiling as he went to sleep? Yes, that's why he got the stair that's why he got the stairwell into a bedroom because he was in the other box room and there was my two sisters were complaining that they needed space without my brother. I was getting, they were all getting older and um my dad um made the bunk bed. He got on a single bed and Nailed it into the top of the bunk bed. It was a three-tier bunk bed. My brother used to sit up and smack his head off. <laughs> it's just brilliant. And and then then I fell in love with your family holidays. Yeah. So your dad would say to you like, right, kids, do you want a nice meal or do you want to have rolls and go to Morocco? And you'd yes. all say, Morocco. Morocco. <laughs> and, and how did you get to Morocco? We'd, um, there was a, there was a, like the, the earliest boat, there was a little early boat and we went on, on the early boat. We were in France or Spain or somewhere and we always got the earliest ones or the latest ones because they were, they were cheap. In your car, in your family car? In the family car, although that, they always broke down. So dad was always underneath the cars and he befriend people and my mom. And we end up, I remember when we were in Morocco, I think we ran out of money or something. And we ended up this antique dealer. We were getting chased down the road by somebody. I don't know why I was young. Maybe they didn't, hadn't got enough to pay for, but I don't know. And this, they got chatting to this antique dealer earlier that they were all just looking saying, oh my God, your place is amazing. You're doing a great job. What a wonderful <laughs> person you are. And he said, come here and brought us in. And then he brought us down to this lovely restaurant and bought us all dinner. And another time ah. we broke down in France and the mayor of the town hired a car for the family so we ah. could drive back and then shipped our car back. That we're, ah. My mum and dad used to just make friends with people and I think they just fell in love with them and everything always turned out okay. Honestly, reading your interviews, talking about your childhood... 
I just desperately want to be a member of your family. I want to know them. I want to have dinner with them. I want your... They're great. They sound so... in. They're just fueled by adventure. Yes. Uh, or certainly the way you tell it. Because didn't you, there was five of you kids. How did you get five kids in a regular car? Well, there was four in the back, and then we used to split the time between the fifth one either had to lie across, and, and then it was my brother's time we'd open the window and his feet would stick out. Because... <laughs> I was the youngest. What often happened was mum used to put a little area from me in the footwell of where she sat. So I used to sit in there. And dad has had this thing where he used to do, and uh, he, he wanted to do a bit of health and safety. We'd no seatbelts around. So he used to just shout, emergency, and we'd have to dive down just to practice. And that was his health and safety with your brother's feet hanging out the window. Emergency, we dipped down and we often laughed later on, thinking, imagine being in the car behind where there's seven people and all of a sudden one. <laughs> and then seven again. <laughs> it's brilliant. It was just, but it was longer. Once actually, I remember for a while, quite a while, because dad always had an old car, second hand cars. I remember the windscreen wipers um, stopped working one way. One way, they went that way, but not that way. So my dad tied a string to them and put it through into my mum, and then it would go like that, and my mum would pull it. We go like that, and mum would pull it, and we left them for months like that. Mum pulling the string. <laughs> I said, "You can't do this. This is a sitcom. Why have you not written this? It's brilliant." I actually, I'm definitely that's on my list of things to do. I want to write. A, a non-fiction comedy, like a real life book. Oh, uh, so good. The madness of it and the, it was just lovely. That Dad would draw, put a mural up if he wanted and Mam was always encouraging him to do these things. They were very creative. Mam made all their clothes and, you know, they were really, they're really special, very special. I'm, I'm very lucky, very blessed to have them brought up in such a, Bonkers house, like, you know? Yeah. They encouraged us. My brother decided to make canoes and they go, brilliant. That's a great <laughs> idea. But then in this tiny house, it was full of canoes. <laughs> balance them on chairs. We'd have to go underneath them to get into the kitchen. <laughs> and then get in the car where you've got to pull the windscreen wipers while your brother's feet are hanging out the truck. I mean, and you'd, you're like, when you, you, you're talking about these holidays, you used to drive everywhere on these holidays. So, you could be for hours in the car like that, I would imagine, driving across Spain, Germany. Yes. <laughs> you know. Yes. We were we were all over the place, yeah, for, for hours and we'd we just loved it. We had a great time. I remember once me my sister fell out of the car and the door was faulty and we went around a really strong turn like that and we all went and when we came up, Adele was gone. The door <laughs> had opened and closed again. And she was back on the road. I was going, Dad, Daddy's going, oh, what? What? We just stop complaining. I was going, these Adele's back there on the hill. <laughs> we just go back and get her. <laughs> She's right. Poor Adele. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh my God, if anybody complains about staycationing this year, they need to listen to this and just stick as many family members in a car as possible and do like the maze. We had a, we had such a great time. <laughs> we really did. And dad was terrible at putting tents up and they were always not what they looked like on the box. There was an orange one we had. And instead of being high, it was always low and long. <laughs> <laughs> did any of you actually sleep comfortably until you got your own homes it's not sounding like you did oh no god we did because mom <laughs> mom w- brought everything so we used to we with the car was a little rover and the top of it was full and it was all strapped on and we had um blow up mattresses each we had even dressing gowns each slippers <laughs> mom brought everything she brought like a little stove and we all had, we were always comfortable. We all had mattresses and duvets and still everything each. We, it was, it was everything we ever needed. It was just an adventure all the time. Uh, but they're, they're just mad. My dad has no sense of, um, you know, he's, 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 um, he's in his own world. He's no, he's not good socially, you know, he's no, idea of what is socially acceptable or not you know he, he doesn't he's not aware of things so maybe that's where, where I got the, been, the ability to just kind of live in the moment yeah he had um I I was doing this the first award show I was at I, I, uh, I was invited to and I got the, these awards things started going well I always included my family my mom and dad because I know dad gave up his dreams um to raise us and I wrote a poem about it called The Dancer in the Dream mm. he gave up his um, his dreams to raise us because he couldn't feed us so we got a normal job which really wasn't good for him in many ways and um, I remember so I'd bring them all the time to everything I went to um, there was always an entourage of my mum and dad and aunties and uncles and all and I loved their company and I was at this award ceremony and I was getting a, it was a meteor award in Ireland. It was a, I was getting best females. It was a big deal. For, it's for a big deal. All, yeah. For the whole family. Yeah. And uh, I remember standing in the sitting room and I had this beautiful um, latex dress that I got a friend of mine to make because I used to sing in burlesque clubs. Um, I was the singer as the burlesque dancers did it, uh, did their, their act. I did that for years. And um, Madeline Warren made me this, Bunny Warren, she made me this great um, Dennis the Menace stripy um, latex dress. And I remember with mum and dad and my auntie Kathleen sitting saying, which should I wear, the normal dress or this one? And they said, definitely the mental one. We love that one. (laughs) Definitely the, the rubber dress. And I was like, okay, I'll go for it. And, um, People thought I had stylists, but I had my mum, dad and my auntie Kathleen, the rubber dress. And uh, <laughs> so I went to the ceremony and I put the dress on. And to get into latex, you have to cover yourself in powder or else it's 60. Yeah. Pull it up. And then you have to have a shine to shine it up. But I forgot yeah. the shine. I thought, oh, shit, what am I going to do? It's all dull. And we had little sponges, you know, for your shoes. I was trying to get them from a hotel and... I was trying to shine yeah. it right one yeah. wrong. And this isn't what I planned. And Dad was there and he disappeared. And I thought, where, where is Dad? I don't know. He's gone. Doesn't matter. And I'm standing there with my manager. 
and I walk up the red carpet and in front of me there's a sea of cameras. Imelda, Imelda May, Imelda, look this way, Imelda, Imelda, over here, Imelda, over here, as you know. So I'm looking around and I'm trying to smile and in between I heard Imelda and I thought, Imelda, 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 I thought, that sounds like my dad, Imelda. <laughs> and I look around to the right and the security holding him back, all right, and he's going, that's my daughter. And he's trying to run up the red carpet and he has a see-through plastic bag with an old rusty can of WD-40. <laughs> to the security guy, going, you don't understand, it's for our dress. <laughs> he jumped in the car and went home into the yard and thought, WD-40, that'll shine her up. <laughs> oh, I love him. I love him. What's your dad's name? Tony. Tony Clabby. Tony. Tony Clabby, what a legend. He's a legend. Oh my God. Oh, DIY Tony Clabby style. I love it. <laughs> Trying to shine you up on the red carpet in WD 40. I remember my manager was like, it's like slow motion. Stop him. You know, the Oh, please send him my best and tell him I'm his biggest fan. I will. Honestly, that was like a little vitamin shot of laughter. Thanks. Good. Cheers, Tony. <laughs> right. So this takes me to my final question for you today, Imelda. You've said before that counselling has saved you and it's something you wish that you discovered and done sooner, years ago. Yeah. And I wanted to know, what else do you wish you'd got to sooner? Oh, my God. Most things, yes. Yeah. Um, counselling is, is, is amazing, by the way, and... It, it, I actually see loads of people that need it now where I wouldn't have recognised that before. Mm. I can see people who need, like, you know, friends or family and you can see they they need it and you think, if only you got, you saved. would you not try counselling? It's just it works so well for so many people when it does. You just want to share that with other people? Of course you do. Do yeah. you know what? This would really help you, you know, whether it's dealing with you know just life in general or or whatever just it would really help and if people don't want to go obviously they don't go but I, I I'm a massive um advocate of it and totally. I think and all it is is talking it's just talking you know or listening it is but with somebody who doesn't know you and I think yeah I think that's amazing when you do learn to like yourself mm. I think it's that it's just such a lovely there's a there's a freedom to that. There's a liberation. Yeah. There's loads of things that I've learned, and I'm still learning. That's my thing. Mm. I can't stop learning. I want to know everything. I want to know now. I'm mm -hmm. horrified at myself that I don't know. Think you know when you discover something. Yeah. How? Do I, you, yeah. Why don't I know that? And then you discover all these new things, and I'm constantly my brain fizzes, you know, and I'm constantly gone, and um, it's exhausting. Yeah. And I think, I think one thing I learned is that, you know, if you're if you're with somebody, if you have a partner, to not try and, um, 
obviously to not try and change somebody that's that everybody knows that but to not to be okay with disagreements or not because ultimately mm. I remember thinking would I like to go out with myself absolutely not I definitely know I don't want to go out with myself so why right why would you try and make somebody agree with you and have the same thoughts as you when ultimately if they become you you don't want to go out with them <laughs> yeah exactly that's awful <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to yeah. go yourself? Would no. You like to date you. <laughs> That's not the idea of partnership. I think you've both got to bring something. That's what to I mean. The table. You're allowed to not be great all the time. You're allowed to be a cow. Yeah. Sometimes life takes over you. You've too much on and all the rest of it. But yeah. I think once you learn from things, for me, when you were asking me what what I wish I had had known or what I'd like to learn and there was there's a couple of things I think trying to change for me change can often be a scary thing mm. and I think once I realized the change is inevitable throughout life I would prefer to make the changes myself rather than wait for them to happen so I learned how to change because I find it's trying to differentiate between comfort, security, comfort, and um, what's right. Alignment, people might call that. What's right for you. Mm. And sometimes you feel like this is right for me because it's all fallen into place. But sometimes you realize, actually, it's comfort. And comfort can be as a result of fear of change and security and it's not necessarily comfort and security aren't necessarily good for you because you can stick with things for the wrong reasons within yourself even because you know mm. it uh, better the devil you know that's that's yeah. kind of the same yeah. go with it and it, it it's comfort comfortable to you and it's because you know it and you you know where you are with the negatives or things in that you don't like about yourself or someone else you can stick with that but when you realise what that is and that change will come inevitably, then you may as well jump forward and make the changes sooner rather than later, I think. So I make changes. I'm, I I um, take chances a lot. And I often will make big changes um, quite quickly. I can be quite impulsive. Mm. Um, after I think about something, I go, right, that's it. And I'll make changes. So... I'm I'm I don't like it at the time, but the result of me shaking my life up, um, sometimes I find it necessary to do that and not know what's gonna come next. So for instance, to do my music career, um, I'll give you like a small example because I'm seems like I'm rambling on. No, it's lovely. I was a certain way for a long time. And you you have this perception that if you change it's all it's all gone tits up. Mm. Um, and then you're wondering who told you that and then you think actually it's probably me telling myself that mm. nobody's making me it's my life so what am I doing why am I continuing to live the way I don't want to live who's making me because I used to think oh, I can't change because I'll let everybody else down and then you think hang on a minute and then you go for it I've, there's been loads of times in my life say for instance with my poetry I was told you'd be mad to do that. Why would you do that? You have a music career. 
don't jeopardise your music career to go and do poetry. And then I thought, you know what, this is what I want to do and this is what I'm doing and to hell with it. If it goes wrong, I'll deal with it. And I'll follow my heart always, follow my heart and do things for the right reasons, not for um, results. Because sometimes yeah. it's nothing to do, it's not to do with results, it's, to do, it's not to do with what might happen, it's to do now and what you're doing now. And in order to feel fulfilled, I have to write, I have to write and I have to you write. Have to get it out. And I put it yeah. out there and actually it's a year this week too when I put my poetry EP out and it flew. It sold out. I only released a small amount thinking, I'm not sure, I'm not going to be told nobody's interested. So I'll release, you know, small, limited edition, little amount, just see how it goes. And went, whoosh, it was gone. Amazing. And then you're getting quoted in. In the doll in Parliament in Ireland, you get quoted here, you get quoted there, and you think, I'm really glad I did that. And you get people writing to you saying it inspired them or it helped them to 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 make changes in their life or to think or benefited them in some way. And you get so many of these letters um, and messages online from people that what whatever I did or said might have given them had some benefit to someone. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. I think, yeah, I'm glad I did that. That's the that's yeah. the lovely result. Not whether it's successful or not, but the fact that it moved people or it connected us on a human level for a mm-hmm. short space in time in this mad world of ours, that it connected me with somebody across the other side of the globe and we had this union for a minute. Connection, Yeah. yeah. And that's really important, you know. Yeah. It's like you, you, you know, it's you create ripple, a ripple effect with that. It keeps traveling because then somebody else, and it might be in a year's time, might say, "Hey, listen, I was feeling a bit like you're feeling now, and I read this poem by Imelda May." And in a year's time, it might find its way into somebody else's mind and yeah. help. That you just and you'll never know. And that's not why you write. You don't write for that reason. And you're right about how you measure the success of that project. It isn't about the units itself. It's about the the heads that it helps. Yes. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Tell that to the publishers. <laughs> the label. <laughs> Don't worry about the units. Think about the feels. <laughs> Somebody liked it in Australia once. That's all I want. <laughs> they, they go mad for it on the other side of the world. Mad for it. <laughs> Um, thank you so much uh, thank for you. talking to me today. 11 Past the Hour is the album. Um, the Poetry EP is still available now. Go and check it out. I'm so delighted that you liked the, the Poetry EP. I'm just finished handing in um, a poetry book. Um, ah. And um, there's one, spe- speaking of dad, there's one I wrote that hasn't gone into the book yet. Do you want me to read it before we go? Yes. About my dad. I'd love that. Thank you. Yes. Right, this is about my... It seems we talked about so much about my dad. Um, Legend. I wrote this for Father's Day for him. As the dreamer gave up the dance to feed mouths sat on his shoulders, so the dancer gave up the dream and worked all day in the cold. Normalcy banter and crack confined him to one of the boys. He laughed so as not to stand out, though his stance polished, poised. Innuendos flew in a man's man's world in which he could never recline from. The butt of the joke never drank, swore or smoked, but I swear had the will of an iron man. One soft hand stripped by thinners, 
cracked like the crust of the bread he was winning. Guiding the brush, gripping the ladder, closed position, teacher to partner. Tails and tucks buried under coats that sometimes doubled as blankets. As gilded certificates gleamed in the light from the telly that worked when he banged it. Little ones fed and tucked in bed. The clowner became a king and waltzed downstairs with his queen, the dancer who taught us to dream. It's just a little one. Little sweet one. Oh, <laughs> that's beautiful. So, yeah. Did he like it? He didn't read it. Are you joking? No, he was like, what? <laughs> and then he read it, he loved it, and he said, it's about time, because I wrote about a song for your mum about 10 years ago. <laughs> 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 and then doused you in WD-40. Sign her up. Your family are hilarious, Melda. I fucking love them. I, cook, I used to, when I'd go back to school um, after the summer holidays, the nuns used to kill me because they thought I was making up stories. They'd go, <laughs> where have you been? And the other kids would go camping or to, to London to see me family. Or, and I'd go, we went to Morocco and I had a snake around my neck. And they used to kill me. They really did. They thought, yeah, they always, I went to Rome and the Pope kissed me. The Pope kissed me cheek. Me, my mother handed me over to him. He kissed me. And we used to have these. We went to Paris and camped under the Eiffel Tower. And you did? We did. So they That's used to kill amazing. me. All the, every time I went back to school, they'd kill me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> honestly, you'd give Williams a run for his money with these tales. <laughs> Keep writing about everything that your heart feels, your eyes see, and that your family's done, please. <laughs> oh, I will do. I'll have to introduce you someday. Oh, I'd love that. Trust me. Next. Tell him I'll, I'll take the third bunk bed. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. My pleasure. Oh, Melda May. She's made my cheeks hurt from smiling. Beautiful. Uh, don't forget her brand new album, 11 Past the Hour, and her poetry EP are both available on iTunes and Spotify. That's it from us for this week. As always, the show is produced by me, Kate Thornton, alongside Libby Knowles and Richard Hatherall for Yahoo UK. Our music is provided by Andy Bell. His back catalogue is available also at iTunes and Spotify. We'll be back next Friday. And if between now and then you've got any kind of inclination to rate or review us, especially if you've got nice things to say, we couldn't say thank you enough. I'll see you next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.